Welcome to Altar of the Demo Gods. If you're wondering what advice from two experienced sales engineers sounds like, it's a little like this. Welcome back to Altar of the Demo Gods. I'm Keith Wilson, joined with my co-host, John Morton. John, how you doing? Living that dream, Keith. Man, it has been busy. You and I haven't talked to each other since the last time we recorded, oh, I think, yeah. which which has been quite a few weeks, too, just because of holidays, right? We're recording right now, and we just finished Thanksgiving. I don't think this episode comes out until, like, March or something next year, <laughs> but it's been... It's been crazy busy, and uh, I know travel for me has been busy, so it, it must be even busier for you. And around this time of year, travel has sucked. It has been an experience, to say the least. A test in patience at its finest. This is the worst that I've experienced it before. Really? At Atlanta Airport... Yeah, and I have, so I have digital ID at Atlanta Airport, which just like, it's the shortest, fastest line in the airport. It was anyway, and it probably still is. Digital so, ID? Because up until... That? What is digital ID? I don't even know. It's a, so it's a program run only through Delta, only in Atlanta Airport right now. They're they're testing it, and it's facial recognition. You have to have TSA pre-check for it. Okay. Um, so it's like clear, you but have to, Then you... Yeah, and it's free. Okay. It's just a, if you're if you're like a, a Sky Miles member, right? It's it's included. I don't know if you have to be at a certain status level or not. Okay. But um so up until like I don't know, 3 weeks to a month ago, the most people I've ever had in front of me in that line was like 5. Now, that line is so full they have to close it. <laughs> so you so you can get in the Right in the pre-check line, which is the same as like the security line, the regular security lines used to right. be. Like it's insane. Not to mention the traffic just getting there is bonkers. Oh, maybe I missed it. Did you say you have to pay for the service or it's included? It's included. Okay. It I I I pay nothing extra. It's it's well, just there a you go. perk of flying with Delta. And I I do that because I live in Atlanta, yeah. so it'd be silly not to. I would take that advantage, but yeah. So in our last episode, we t we had uh, Charles Herring on uh, CTO Always a fan for yeah. yeah yeah CTO for Witfu, um, and we we were wanting to talk about um, managing a sales pipeline, but I think we really got to lead generation and maybe a little bit of qualification. Yeah, right, and that that was about it. That's really all we got through because there was so much to cover. Um, and in today's show, I want to talk about something that I, I still think fits into that piece of, of, uh, not just lead generation, but this, the entire sales pipeline. And that is building rapport and trust with sales prospects. And in the cybersecurity industry, this more than anything. I think is is a hurdle for a lot of new sellers, technical or otherwise. Yes, one hundred percent. It's the key between success and failure to me. It always comes down to trust, and I'll cover it a little bit more. But one thousand percent. 
So in my mind, the earlier you can establish some sort of trust and some sort of rapport, the better. But I think you also have to keep in mind when doing that, John's favorite, one of John's favorite phrases, you, you got to keep track of who's who in the zoo, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, yes, it's nice to be friendly and friends with everybody and build rapport with everybody. But let's be real, we're there to do a job, right? And that job is to sell something, to, to close, right? right? So we want to make sure that we're we're always focusing on the right people that we're building a rapport with. Yeah, I think this and, is that that differentiator too between like, you know, some folks like to draw a fine line between technical sales or regular sales. I think this art of rapport and fundamentally trust is a, a sales thing, right? And and when I say that, I yeah, go ahead. I would argue it's also a technical thing, but I'm going to let you finish with the with the sales part. I've got a counter argument. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree. It, it walks all the lines, but what I'm trying to say is it's more open-ended than it is closed. It's not respectively one or the other as much as it is all around because people buy from people they like. And I think the core of that is trust. And I'm going to double down on that in a bit, but I wanted to hear what you had to say there, Keith. So... To me, the reason that I'm saying the technical part, it's definitely a big S, right? But it could also very well be a big E. The reason being that big E is so important to building trust, because if you go in there and prove that you're an idiot, you've lost trust right from the get-go, right? Yeah. If, if I show myself to not know what I'm doing, not know what I'm talking about, when I'm speaking out of bounds about things, I'm losing trust every time I do that. Normally, I see that deteriorate with salespeople, and you can see it in, a, in a, happening in a meeting, too. Yeah, You can see as each claim is being made without evidence to back it up, you, you can see that trust eroding a little bit each time, right? Yeah. But I think I think the technical piece is incredibly important because if you don't have that, you're not going to be trusted you, in, when it comes to technical sales. You will not be trusted. I, I, yeah, I don't disagree. I, the way I would rephrase it is maybe human first, technical or you know product expertise, market expertise second. That's more of where I'm going. Like human first. Yeah. Then. The well, rest. yeah. I mean, there's there's still building trust is a whole human element thing, mm -hmm. right? You can take you can apply building trust to things completely outside of sales, outside of. <laughs> sales engineering right there there's hey man when it comes to things like you know sexual relationships and we'll make it weird for a second <laughs> okay we're going you there. gotta have some level of trust that the person John, keep in mind I've, I've i've told my son he can listen to this podcast you, you can't you gotta have in mind the person that you're sharing your personal likes with let's call them kinks for lack of a better word that you're gonna trust them with this and they're not gonna just go tell everybody about it and post it on social media. There's some level of trust in that building of a relationship where I'm going to share things. Well, you're, you, yeah, you're, know? you're talking about personal relationships. That's what I'm saying. That's why I said right? human first, not even business human relationships, first. human first. Yeah, that's sure. And that's why you have to have the, I think you, you need to have that personal relationship within building that business relationship, right? There's, there's still agree. a person 
there. And and we've talked we talked I think we talked about this with Charles too and you just mentioned it. You're still selling to people, right? Yeah. You're not selling. Whether it's to a business, you know, I, I made it weird with people. the uh, sexual reference first, but maybe degenerate <laughs> gambling, maybe it's drinking, maybe it's your faith in uh in uh Jesus Christ or Allah or whatever you may choose to worship. You're extending some personal thing to someone, a bit of trust in the fact that hey, I, I trust you enough to share this with you and how are you going to respond? So human first is what I like to go for, Keith. Okay, so how do we build trust then? What are some of your favorite techniques that you use mm. when trying to build trust? I always like to be pretty open and honest up front. I would say that's my number one key, right? Transparency is something that everyone who talks to me or has ever engaged with me can agree with something that I share. I'm honest about what I am. I am honest about like, even in, in this opportunity of selling maybe software, I have a job to do and I'm here to do it. That's number one. We're going to get that out there. But number two, I'm still a human at the end of the day, right? I enjoy my whiskeys. I enjoy fine foods. I, you know, these things, I'm being open and honest with my transparency in, in just being genuine human being. Well, you're building rapport. Out, you know, rapport and trust are two different things. Correct. Rapport is camaraderie, mm -hmm. right? John and I can meet, have a crazy night. It, I mean, we have, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it could be our first time meeting. We could have a crazy night and we're building rapport, not necessarily trust, because I still know that at any moment I could wake up in a bathtub full of ice, missing my kidneys, wondering where John is, yeah. right? You know what? That's a great point. But, I, yeah. but we're still building rapport. We're building rapport and you you find out if there is trust and normally in a negative way. I had this happen to me recently, an experience I went through very similar to what Keith and I had once at a Buckhead JW Marriott in Atlanta. And the next day, I didn't hear about it other than from Keith. You know, immediately when trust has been violated in the building of rapport, when eight other people are telling you this story and you're like, wait a was my trust broken? Right. Why are my pictures <laughs> on the WhatsApp group or on my wife's Instagram of what happened? That's a violation of trust. So trust is, you're right. Very good point, Keith. It will confidentiality, integrity, right? Two, two of the security pillars just go into building <laughs> trust, right? Facts. When, when, when John and I meet, there's a friend DA in place, <laughs> and in confidence, we're telling each other Man, things. We should have that as the word of the day, the friend DA. Wait, friend DA. Friend DA. Yeah. But it's 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 not an acronym. It is not. So we, we, we've got it. We're still searching for the we're acronym. We'll find it. Acronym. We haven't found it yet. Define the friend DA now, real quick, though, because I think it's critical. So the friend DA is just a non-disclosure agreement between friends. It's no, we're not going to sign anything. We're just going to agree that whatever is said between the two of us remains between the two of us. Right. Right. hundred percent. It's, it's that, it's that mutual understanding and trust. Now, again, you have to have rapport with somebody before you can build that Correct. trust. Right. Yeah. And I think you can't just have a you can't just have a friend DA with anybody. Yeah. And I don't think there's a hard barrier either. It's not like we were at the strip club and you did some questionable things. It could be as simple as I told you about my personal ambitions at my office. There's no like clear right. delineation. It's just to your point of I entrusted you with something I didn't expect you to share because we're friends. Gotcha. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not talking about like any anything nefarious, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, John's not asked me to cover up any crimes for him yet. Um, that we know of, you know, as far as as far as my lawyer has stated <laughs> multiple times. Facts, um, <laughs> I want to. I want to focus on some some techniques that I I've used to build rapport with people, and it's it's funny. I was talking to. Um, I had my teeth cleaned today. Nice. As you can see they're beautiful for anybody was, who's just was, listening and not viewing. They're pearly white. That's right. So I was I I was there and the um, the dental hygienist was talking to me and he was like, "Man, you're you're really personable." And I was like, "Yeah, I I get that a lot." Because he, he he asked me, you know, he's like, "You must get that a lot." I said, yeah, I, I I do. You know, I've I've worked in sales and I I've learned that one of the easiest ways to be likable to make people like you is to ask questions about them and then shut up. Yeah. Right. So that's what I was doing. He, he'd ask me a question. I'd give him a short answer and then I'd ask him a question and he'd give me a longer response. And then we'd get into that. Right. For as much as I can, you know, with having instruments of <laughs> fingers, and whatever in my mouth, pointy things. in Yeah. Your yeah. Yeah. But it was the, uh, it's, you know, asking questions and being genuine in those questions too. not do, cause you you can do this to manipulate people, obviously. Like I could, I could sit there and have a somewhat pre-configured list of questions that I can run through and not really need to pay too much attention. And you're still going to get that same good feeling, but it's not real, right. right? It's you'll, you'll realize later that there, there was no rapport built. You're not going to remember me. Um, and to, to quote Charles, I don't know if he said it on this show, but to quote Charles, um, you know, when I leave a meeting, people are either going to love me or hate me, but they're never going to forget me. Yeah. Right. So when I'm building rapport with somebody, I don't want them to forget me. Um, so and, you know, actively listening to what they're saying, yeah. asking questions, yeah. listen to what they're saying. Also, a skill that you need in when you're selling in meetings anyway. It, yeah. And again, it doesn't just have to be in sales. It could be I know I make it personal with, you know. But even dating, you know, finding friends. And before I give away my two secrets, there there are two key things I always do. I want to preface it this way. The reason I believe Keith and I love doing this podcast is because I do genuinely enjoy stories. I genuinely enjoy when people tell me their personal stories. I eat them up. I am a consumer of data. So I'm not saying it to Keith's point like I run a script and it's lip service. Literally. I do these two things on purpose. I always listen when someone tells me their name and I immediately repeat it. Like if I introduce myself to Keith for the first time, he says, I'm Keith Wilson. This is my job. This is what I do. I always at least say it's nice to meet you, Keith. And I commit that to memory. The second thing I do in that active listening that Keith pointed out is I'm listening for some unique identifier, some unique thing that I appreciated about his story, like if we were listening now and we were experimenting in this scenario, Keith just had his teeth whitened. I like to remind him, by the way, in that conversation, after he's done talking, your teeth look really good, right? And I don't mean it facetiously. I mean it, man, I can see the difference. So those are two things. Say, repeat someone's name and repeat something they've told me that I personally found interesting. Those are two things I love. I... I think we should warn people not to continuously repeat somebody's name, though. That's that can be off putting, right? Be. If some if somebody keeps keeps going, you know, hey Keith, this Keith, hey Keith, 
I I instantly my turn my off. senses go up. Like no, I don't turn it off. Like I it instantly makes me suspicious. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like because that's also a manipulation technique. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can never I can right? say I've never honestly done that. I normally say it once and then after that I might forget, but that's truth. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not the type to repeat somebody's and there's not a whole lot of people that I've run into that do that, but I do know some people that do it. And I, I feel like it, I could be wrong. I feel like it's being done intentionally to try. It's all putting in almost derogatory to that point. Whenever someone's talking down to me, they'll repeat my name numerous times. Yeah. Yeah. My, my girlfriend's a nurse and she's had so many patients talk down to her and as they're talking down to her because they read something on the internet um you know on or watched a video on youtube about something medical um so they'll repeat her name multiple times right and she just talks about like how derogatory and how like how just that makes her feel and i get it i agree i get it yeah so don't overdo it repeat the name yes because that's gonna help solidify it in memory Mm -hmm. Um, i say just once man just once yeah. And then I think tying that unique fact to it as well also helps kind of solidify mm-hmm. that, you know, it helps lock it in, you know, fires off the, the right neurons to Man, bump I really into hope each other. Like writes me or calls me and they try this experiment at a bar because at the bar, when somebody's had way too much to drink and they're not going to remember if it works, it works. Somebody call us and let us know. But either way. Well, email us, demogodspod at gmail.com. You can call me. I'll I'll drop my number in the DMs. Friendship. Friend DNA. (laughs) Not friend DNA. Friend DNA. Friend DA. (laughs) We got to write that down, Keith. Anyway. So another thing, too, that helps build rapport and, again, helps with, with trying to understand the customer's true needs is empathy. And the older I get, the more I recognize the power of being empathetic. So let's define empathy for those that don't know. I can be sympathetic, right? Where I can go, John, you know, John had a, if John has a relative die, I can say, John, I'm, I'm really sorry for you. You know, I don't know that relative. So I, I'm truly not feeling John's pain, but John, I can, I can feel sympathy for John. Empathy is I can take on those feelings, right? So I can, if at the same time I lost a close relative, I can be very empathetic with John, right? Because I can understand what he's going through. So being empathetic is trying to, at least my understanding, you know, my armchair psychology understanding is trying to just put your, really just put yourself in somebody else's shoes, right? To understand and feel what they're going through. And the more leadership classes that I take, the more empathy is taught and talked about. And uh, it's it's big in leadership, but also in sales and building rapport. Yeah, 100%. And I think this is where like experience comes into play. And when I say that word, most people might gravitate towards whatever's relevant to them. But if it's experience in a job, if it's experience even in life, Keith knows one of my favorite sayings of all time for nobody who's ever met me is, I'm actually a lot older than I look. The reason I say that is because I'm trying to make sure people understand when I'm being empathetic, when I'm displaying empathy, it's not lip service. I've lived a long enough life or had enough experience in business to tell you I'm trying to associate with how you feel with how I felt, right? So I'm trying to be empathetic to Keith's point of not just sympathy, acknowledging whatever you're saying, 
empathetic in trying to say I've been there, right? So, and I'll say one of the reasons that you see most, and this isn't me trying to be ageist or anything like that, but one of the reasons you see that most leaders are older is because just in our brains, when we're younger, we're wired to be more egocentric and think only of ourselves. That doesn't mean that, you know, we're complete assholes. Some of us are, but that doesn't, but our brain is still wired up until like our thirties or early thirties to focus on ourselves. And it's not until like our early thirties where we start to really consider others, right. And, mm-hmm. and the world around us uh, truly consider others and how they feel and how, how those feelings of, excuse me, affect each other. Yeah. And I, I think the, for those that are younger listening to this in your early twenties, um, you know, maybe just getting started in your career, the sooner you can learn to empathize, the more friends and allies and mentors and opportunities will just, it, it, it will open up so many doors for you. If you can just empathize with somebody and try and feel their pain, right? That, that's where I go with that point about honesty, Keith. Like, you know, I brought it up a little earlier, but genuinely I'm, when, when people are telling me their personal lives, we're building rapport and I'm establishing trust. I tell people I've been divorced, man. I I've lost, I've won. I am being honest in my experiences and uh, I'm just trying to help you as a person. Uh, although we have a job to do at the end of the day, it's human first and you know, whatever I'm doing second. So I think that's a critical part of it. 100%. Well, and I, you kind of hit on a good point too there because you can, you can get into some personal conversation. So I think you have to set some boundaries for your, yourself personally and professionally too, because you, if you don't like you can take it too far oh, with some goodness. people. Oh, you can really overshare. And man, have I been <laughs> on the other side of some, and I've, I'm sure I've overshared as well, but I've been on, I know I've been on the other side of somebody else oversharing and it is. Yeah. Especially it, it's yeah, good. It's, it's uncomfortable at best. It's uncomfortable. Especially if you, and I'm going to be uh, personal. I'm being honest there. This is, this is John Morton opening up to our audience building rapport. When someone misinterprets your intentions, both extremely positively and extremely negatively, you may not even be aware of what you're oversharing. You may be feeling like this is the right moment. I can talk about these things, but the person on the receiving end may be uh, going through a different experience. So let's leave it at that. So, I mean, it, it's better to start off with professional boundaries mm-hmm. that, you know, lean on the side of conservative until you become more friendly. with. Oh, them, I highly recommend right? that, man. Based, based on experience. Make sure, <laughs> make sure you have trust, right? And not just rapport, but you also have trust. Yeah. Friend EA. I got it right that time. Friend. Yeah, the friend, friend EA. So, John, I think we're about ready to wrap up yeah. this episode. Any other tips, any any feedback, any any suggestions you have for our listeners? Final thoughts, if you will, yeah. on, uh, on building rapport and trust. Yeah, 100%. So I always say clear is kind, meaning always be like clear in what you're saying personally, whatever it is, and always be, you know, that's kind and be consistent in your messaging. Someone can tell when you're making it up, right? You know, they can tell when you're faking it. You don't have to do that. If you have to do that to win at what you're doing, 
ah, you're probably doing it wrong. That's just my personal feedback there. Yeah, if 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 it feels icky, you're not doing it right. Yeah. I'm just reading the script every time. Maybe you get what you want, but is that really worth it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this has been a great conversation, a great episode. Our next episode coming up, we're going to be talking about um, mastering the demo. We're going to be talking about how can you become, well, you, you can't become a demo god, but how, how you can become a demo legend. And we'll talk about that more here on Alter the Demo Gods. If you have questions for us, you can reach us at demogodspod at gmail.com. That's demogodspod at gmail.com. Um, you can get, uh, you can go to our website to get everything alter the demo gods by going to, uh, demogodspod.com. Um, get us wherever you get podcasts, watch us on YouTube. Uh, John, you got any, any plugs, any, anything else you, you want to share with the folks? Other than my, uh, praying for Malort to sponsor us. So Jefferson Malort, thanks everyone for this episode. That's about all I got. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Alter the Demo Gods. We'll catch you next week.